To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Sound on with Kevin Cirilli. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Monday, folks. Apologies if you're a Duke fan. We've got a great show for you this evening. Mr. and Mrs. Mooch, Anthony Scaramucci and his wife, Deidre Ball, joining me in studio. I'm in New York City for the hour, and we've got a lot of news to get through, including fallout, for former Vice President Joe Biden. Have you followed this? He's sticking to the script with Lucy Flores, an individual woman who is making allegations that says, well, we'll get into it, that he laid an inappropriate kiss uh, on her. We'll get into all of that, plus what Biden camp is saying as the potential to hamper his entry into the 2020 presidential Democratic primary field. Plus, President Trump continuing to threaten to shut down portions or even all of the U.S.-Mexico border. And more information on developing U.S.-China trade talks. We're going to get the Mooch's take on where he thinks those U.S.-China trade talks should go. But before we dive into all of that, let's talk about the 2020 field, because there really has been major developments in terms of the 2020 Democratic uh, political field, especially for former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, This is he faces new allegations uh, against a a woman who says that uh, there was inappropriate uh, touching. Uh, And according to various news reports, uh, all of this was made uh, forward in an essay for The Cut, which is an online publication, Lucy Flores, she's the former Nevada state lawmaker. She's accusing former Vice President Biden of a quote-unquote awkward kiss at a campaign rally uh, back when she was the state's Democratic nominee for lieutenant governor in 2014. I'm going to read uh, from a statement that the former vice president has put out. Uh, he says, quote, I may not recall these moments the same way, and I may be surprised at what I hear, but what we have arrived at, an important time when women feel they can and should relate their experiences and men should pay attention, and I will. He goes on to say in the statement that he will remain the strongest advocate for the rights of women. So, All of this is coming as everybody wants to know if he's going to formally throw his hat into the ring to run for president. Uh, And and we're getting reaction from a host of individuals, including Senator Elizabeth Warren, Democrat from Massachusetts. She's running for president. Uh, Take a listen to what Senator Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren had to say uh, in response to this. Here she is. I believe Lucy Flores and 
Joe Biden needs to give an answer. Joining me for the hour in studio, Anthony Scaramucci. He, of course, is the found, one of the founders of Skybridge Capital. He's the former White House communications director, former reality TV star, and just all-around guy in Washington with none other than senior vice president of Skybridge Capital, Deidre Ball, a business person in her own right and wife to, or should I say Anthony Scaramucci is the husband to, Deirdre. Yes. Ball. Someone called him last night Miss what did they say? Mr. Deirdre. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that was on the plane. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I, I, wasn't it? No. Oh, I thought you don't it, remember it who it was? It was the doctor. Oh, it's the doctor. <laughs> this is gonna <laughs> be a right, fun hour. Doctor. All right. Okay. Yeah, we'll start we'll start with yeah, we'll start no Biden fallout. What do you mean? So you want me to go first? Or I go, guess we should go, go, go to No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Baby, go ahead. You 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 have the Well I think if he was really entertaining thoughts of running, he's probably rethinking it right now because this is just the beginning of the waterfall i think the minute someone throws their hat in the ring people come out of the woodwork so so but you you well you always have to take the person discredit 45 years of joe biden's career no i don't in the democratic no Party. i don't i've met him before mm-hmm. i've had personal interaction with him personally my and my you experience smell your hair no Did but you get up close and kissy kissy. Well, he was a little bit friendly, but to me, it was more like a grandfatherly thing. It wasn't like a creepy thing. Is this really going to so, hurt him? No, I was going to pull a taser out if that was the case. But uh, no. <laughs> don't worry, I, Joe I Biden think this is, is not a threat. One of those honey. things where he's a huge <laughs> threat. He's not liberal enough for the Democratic Party. That shifting further to the right, almost guaranteeing a Trump re-election if they go that far to the right. He is a person um, that would be a potential strong adversary to the president because he has more of a centrist demeanor about his 45-year political career. But I think they're going to try to demolish and destroy him, and this is what they do in Washington, as you know. They will tear him down, uh, demonize him, two-dimensionalize him, and now he's like creepy Joe Biden. But in the meantime, if he wasn't running for president, he would be one of their elder statesmen, and they would put him up on a pedestal. Do you think he can survive So I find things to be absolutely disgusting. Uh, 100%. It's up to him. And so he has to take a page out of President Trump's book, uh, which is the I do not care page, uh, and live fearlessly and shamelessly. he's a different guy. He's not the yeah, same as Donald not the Trump. Same guy. So. But do you think this is interesting? Because do you think that the Democratic base will respond to that approach the same way that the conservative base does? What do you think? Well, no, because the Democrats have a, uh, they're doing a lot of virtue signaling to each other right now. And so uh, if you're with Joe Biden, now you're virtue signaling that you're against women, even though Joe, Vice President Biden, has spent 40 years as a champion of women and women's rights. So this is a demonization, demolishment. This is a hit piece on him to see if they can scare and intimidate him out of the race. And I think if if he really wants to be president and he wants to run, uh, he should ignore it and go very, very aggressively. He's in the top poll position, uh, if you look at the polls. And uh, I think this thing would die off in a couple of more news cycles. Weren't so you there buy re- are odder things about Beto O'Rourke that came out? I thought there were some like shady things that came out about him last week, about when he was younger, things he wrote. and writing about but murdering you, but, children. But just to, just to put a, an end point that's on, more, on that's this. That's scarier to me than an inappropriate, you know, kiss on your head or something. I don't know. But to put an end point on this, you're not buying these allegations. No, I didn't say that. If you if you look at the film, he is definitely an old-fashioned guy that's uh, yeah. probably encroaching on people's personal space in a way that isn't appropriate in 2018. And I'm not saying it was a, 
appropriate in 1955, but it seemed like it was inside the bell curve of human behavior. You know, I had the opportunity, as crazy this may sound to some of your listeners, but I, I'm probably the only person that went from the Big Brother house to the World Economic Forum in like one day. Mm-hmm. And I spoke, um, gave a keynote address at the Women's Equality Luncheon at the World Economic Forum. And what I told about 150 of arguably some of the most talented, most powerful women in the world is that you're not going to change 5,500 years of human behavior in one generation, or you're not going to have a, a group of people that are going to be the referee on what is appropriate and what isn't after 5,500 years of human behavior. If you want to try to do that, you are going to have a reaction formation like Donald J. Trump, and he's going to end up winning because people close the curtain and they don't, they don't like it. They don't like that sort of mind control. Deirdre, agree? I do. I think we have to slowly but surely come into a different time and place. And I think that will happen as, you know, older men get older and younger men get older. Um, and, th- you know, things that are not appropriate, you know, won't be done. But And by the way, I have a beautiful or wife. Or appropriate. And what, you know, I think appropriate is all relative. Older people probably think differently what younger people think. And I think we'll come into that as we go along. All right, coming up, we talk more politics of the day and policy. We talk Fed policy, trade policy, uh, and the latest going on in Brexit. Did you see this? Headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal as we speak. UK Parliament rejecting all Brexit alternatives in votes. The UK is rejecting all all, all Brexit alternatives in votes. You can download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. Check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Just picked up by Spotify. Anthony Scaramucci stays. Deidre Ball stays. And I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Breaking news across the pond tonight. The UK Brexit crisis is deepening. Parliament failing to choose Plan B. Headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal now. The UK's deadlocked parliament failed to agree on a new blueprint for Brexit, rejecting all the options that were put forward to replace Theresa May's unpopular deal. So more uncertainty, more uncertainty for the UK. Joining me for the hour, Deidre Ball. She is a senior vice president at Skybridge Capital. She also is married to Anthony Scaramucci. He, of course, of Skybridge Capital and the former White House communications director. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio chief Washington correspondent. Coming at you from New York City, Bloomberg World Headquarters this evening. All right, Mooch. Can I call you Mooch? Yeah, anything you want. I've been called worse than that. All right. Well, I mean, these Brexit. This bre- I mean, what do you I've been advise? Worse clients? than that by Mrs. Mooch. Um, <laughs> well, well, yeah. listen. I mean, I, I think that the slowdown in UK GDP is already baked into the cake. I think that uh, the city of London, where we have an office, has been a financial center for five centuries, and so whether they stay in or leave, it'll still have great relevancy on the world stage. So. Um, Having said that, they did vote against their economic interests, and they're now trying to figure out how to peel it back. It's very, very hard to do that because now you basically told everybody you're a democracy, 
but are you really a democracy if you reject the Brexit? So uh, this is one of the main reasons why I believe that the Electoral College in the United States will never go away. And it's another reason why the Founding Fathers set us up as a republic and a representative democracy and not a plurality. Deidre, just given your finance background, you know, you've worked at J.P. Morgan yep. and whatnot and being at Skybridge, what do you tell international clients or folks in the business community? Because so much of the pressure comes down on Washington, right? Washington's injecting all of this uncertainty into the marketplace. Well, quite frankly, you read these headlines from the U.K. and it, it makes, I mean, I'm not going to say it makes our Washington look tame, but I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. <laughs> well, they're a lot more civilized, it seems, even when they're not... But right, the accent, I guess. Yeah. But, 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 but truthfully, when you're presenting to clients or when you're talking to clients overseas and folks trying to price how this uncertainty is impacting their bottom lines, how can people prepare for that type of uncertainty? And we're going to get to trade in a second. Mm-hmm. Can you help me? Well, listen, <laughs> I've been I mean, home with I my mean, kids for the past well, five years. Well, I think, I think, I think, but I think you're What are you selling about, our I mean, international well, clients? I think, I think that this is the bottom line. They have to resolve this one way or another. And my guess is, is that they're going to have, I'm surprised they didn't push the EU a little harder, uh, but my guess is they're going to have a modified Brexit at this point, if not a full-blown Brexit. It will affect their GDP. It will hurt the world's GDP in the short term, but it's not the end of the world. But the real issue is that there's tremendous anxiety, Kevin, in the world related to the haves and the have-nots. And so the middle class and lower middle class people will literally vote against their economic interests if they can throw a Molotov cocktail into the system and disrupt the system. And in many ways, the Brexit vote or the introduction of President Trump into the Washington establishment is a metaphorical wrecking ball for both of those things. And so I would tell establishment people that are listening to your radio show, stop calling these people white nationalists, ethnocentrics and deplorables and start focusing on them and rebuild that social contract that made America what it is. You know, the two of us are byproducts of very strong middle-class economies where (coughs) our parents didn't go to school but yet made a ton of money Mm -hmm. uh, to support us. So meanwhile, go ahead. I feel like that doesn't exist anymore, though. Anthony always calls it the aspirational working class, and now it's the desperational working class. I feel like it's harder to make your way um, and people make it harder, but I don't know. That's why people love Trump because he's. You okay there? Yeah, I'm. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I think Trump's trying to pave the way for the middle class, so I think he's got a, a huge backing. So meanwhile, and, and, and so we're following these headlines over there in the UK, which again, the UK Brexit crisis deepening tonight as Parliament failing to choose a, a plan B. And then we've got the US-China trade talks. We've got President Trump pressuring on tariffs. I want to stick with tariffs in particular in trade policy because it really is all kind of interconnected. Uh, Vice Premier Leo Hua is set to be in Washington, D.C., I believe on Wednesday to continue these US-China trade talks. And you know this, Anthony, from when you talk to, to folks and advise folks in terms of what's going on down there in Washington, D.C. Are we any closer at all from your perspective, your vantage point, to a U.S.-China deal? Well, I mean, listen, the market is pricing that a deal will get done. Um, I personally, uh, given my awareness of the administration and people I've talked to inside of Washington and outside of Washington, that there is a deal there. And what will likely happen is the Chinese will end up buying more goods from us and probably a lot more raw materials 
but we're going to be up against it with China. You know, we're we're fighting an intellectual capital battle. We're fighting an AI battle. Uh, there's a lot of people in Silicon Valley that think that China is ahead of us in artificial intelligence. And China has got a platform that they've built on their autocracy, which has been healthy in some ways uh, and has led to all this economic growth and shaky in others. And so uh, the Chinese and, and most people in finance that are uh, focused on this are literally printing trillions of dollars of renminbi uh, to try to support their economy right now. So they have a way weaker economy than people actually originally thought, at least Western journalists. And so, you know, to me, the Trump administration is going to be very, very careful in terms of cutting this deal because they can't really give too onerous of a deal to China. They can't force China into a recession that would be very, very bad for the U.S. So there's a bilateral thing going on there. That's very I generous. find this interesting because in terms of where I grew up outside of Philly, in terms of my backyard, I mean, people who were deciding in the last presidential cycle between Donald Trump, as well as Bernie Sanders. I mean, those voters are real. Uh, and, and if you go to upstate New York, for example, that's really battleground zero for this U.S.-China trade policy war, if you want to call it a dispute, a spat, whatever you want to call it. And so it's interesting, I think, when the president is going to have to hit the campaign trail, less so maybe this cycle in up, upstate New York. But, I mean, he's going to have to sell this, really, Michigan, where he was last week, and whatnot. And, and I'm curious to see how someone like a Joe Biden or a Pete Buttigieg or Beto O'Rourke, how they, how they shake this up. Well, there will definitely be a snarky CNN analyst that will go through the deal and say, wow, this deal is not as favorable to the United States as people originally thought it would be pursuant to what the president was yeah, saying. Yeah, but it's always better than what we had before. Yeah, well, that's the which point. Which was nothing. That's the point. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be a big win for the U.S. in that context. And so... One thing I would say to people, uh, the establishment is malpracticed over the last 25 years. They had the right to reset the NAFTA deal. They did not do that. They allowed China to come into the World Trade Organization as an emerging economy. There's all kinds of protectionist benefits for an emerging economy. They're the second largest economy in the world now, Kevin, and they still have those protective benefits in the WTO. So these things are like super unfair, and that is literally – malpractice in a bipartisan way from elected officials that didn't focus on this. So you have to give the president credit for at least trying to change it. It's very hard to change 30 or 40 years of policy in two or three years of a presidential term. All right, coming up, Mr. and Mrs. Mooch Stay. They've got a new podcast. Check it out on Radio.com, right? Radio.com. Radio.com. We'll talk more about it. also. And on iTunes, yeah. on Apple iTunes. And you can also find us on there as well. Coming up more with the Mr. and Mrs. Mooch, you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. 
Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You're listening to Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Monday, folks. I'm Kevin Cirilli broadcasting live from New York City in Bloomberg World Headquarters. And I am joined by two very special guests joining me in studio for the hour. Anthony Scaramucci of Skybridge Capital and, of course, the former White House Communications Director and his wife, Deidre Ball. She is uh, SVP at Skybridge Capital. And they have got this new podcast. You know, I'll be honest, I... I do keep up with pop culture, so I, I can't lie to either of you. I, I have been aware of the, the various reports of what has gone on, uh, and so I will be listening to your Mr. and Mrs. Mooch podcast with intrigue. And as a huge reality television fan, I didn't watch every episode of Big Brother, but I did cover it on this show when I read that you were going to be on it. Uh, and you were on with, like, Dina Lowen, right? I was on with Dina, yeah. Uh, uh, wow. Kato Kalen. Ryan Lochte. Uh, it was the a typical, crew. typical people that you would find at an investor conference. Uh, <laughs> they were all present. Was it w- more difficult, Deidre, to watch him on Big Brother or inside of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? Well, when he was inside of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, I was not watching. I shut all the TVs off. Cause, really? Oh, yeah. We were, it was we not a good World time War, for we the mooch and the misses. I don't even think you can turn on the news without seeing Trump. No, I literally, I, I watched no television. I didn't look at my phone. I couldn't even handle it because it was just like, talk about surreal. It was very surreal we, for we me. We were having World War Three at yeah. home. At that I didn't moment, even know he so. got the job in the White House. It came across my phone as a news alert. So I was like, okay, I'm never turning the Thank, TV on thanks again. Thanks for bringing it up, Kevin. I've Sorry, been, moving on. Back, spending, to, back to you. I've been spending the last 18 months trying to reconcile. No, that's what our podcast is thanks. about because well, that's what our podcast is about. Well, we were about. talking in the break about, about trade policy in particular and about how keeping it in the family, about how you've got some family members who are like, hey, what is going on with these tariffs? Yeah. Yeah, they're being charged. They're building the tariff now into the onto the bill. So basically, essentially – we're paying the tariff for the Chinese, which is insane. And basically, there's a monopoly. There's nowhere else for our cousin to get the product that he's selling. So he's like, this is crazy. Go tell Donald Trump that I'm now paying the tariff. So we're, we're having this whole big hoopla, and at the end of the day, we're, we're paying for it anyway. I find this fascinating, Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch. I find this fascinating because every Republican that I interview in, in, in the halls of Congress, and quite frankly, every business owner, Big business, small business, they can't stand the tariffs. Well, how about Steve Moore? I mean, that's, that's what you know, people ask Steve, well, what's your big difference with the president? It's on the tariffs because you're not making the country more competitive. Uh, the end user, my but cousin, But you understand Augie, his point. It. The point he's trying to say, like, you can no longer take advantage of us. So he's trying to set a precedent and he's trying to make a point. And it might not even be in our best interest, but that's what he's doing. He's putting his foot down. But see, this is nuance. Steve Moore, if he gets on the Fed board, you think he's going to clear Senate confirmation? Uh, I do because you've got 53 senators that are Republican. But I, I think that his issue is one of this intellectual snobbery. He doesn't have the Ph.D. in economics that these other guys have. And so they're going to give him a hard time. But, uh, but in terms of the key difference... This might help him get Senate confirmation for the votes that he needs to win over because yeah. he disagrees with the president right. on tariffs. Well, on tariffs and certain free market principles. But, I mean, here, here's the thing, okay? He 
is with the president on a lot of the supply side theory, and he just wrote a book called Trumponomics. <laughs> he literally wrote the book which, on Trumponomics. Which basically explains what the president is trying to do to accelerate growth for the United States. But up against that, and hopefully one of the senators will ask him this, uh, you're borrowing a trillion dollars a year now. That's a quarter trillion dollars a quarter. And so that's going to put pressure on rates, whether you like it or not. You can't have a $3.2 trillion tax revenues coming in and borrow a trillion dollars without putting pressure on rates. Do you think President Trump's attacks on the central bank are a good thing or a bad thing or indifferent? Mm, bad thing. Really? Yeah. I mean, they. well, first of all, they're indifferent because he is a Monday morning quarterback and he's a Twitter fiend. And so that's all priced into the market. Uh, imagine one of the other 43 presidents. Remember, he's president 45, but Grover Cleveland was there twice. So imagine the other 43 presidents doing what President Trump's doing, the market would be going haywire. But because it's President Trump, uh, his sort of Twitter style and his armchair quarterbacking is priced into the market. But you do not want uh, a lack of independence from the Federal Reserve. I mean, the entire monetary system has been based on that. So, yes, I understand the Federal Reserve is a political organization at this point, but there's still some relevancy to the independence that the Fed has. And so when the president or Larry Kudlow or these guys are calling for a reduction in rates and putting pressure on the Fed like that, uh, you don't want to turn the country into a banana republic uh, where the executive branch and the Fed are overly tied together. And so uh, market participants don't like that. And, you know, I, I think the scare uh, when Stephen Mnuchin called all of those uh, presidents, I don't think it was a pre- banking presidents. I don't think it was related to market liquidity. I think it was concern. And President Trump was thinking about possibly firing uh, the Fed chair. That would have been an international crisis and an international calamity. When you were there, was he, would he talk about that, firing the Fed chair? No, I mean, I mean, when I was there, we were working on selecting the Fed chair. I was in one meeting related to it, and it was on a Wednesday, Kevin, and the reason I remember that, I was only there for one Wednesday, so that's how I remember the <laughs> fact that it was a Wednesday. So, But I mean, you know, the truth of the matter is, uh, Jerome Powell, thankfully, is an independently spirited guy. He's uh he could probably care less about what the president's saying about him. He wants to do the right thing for the economy. The data dependency elements of the Fed are signaling that interest rate sensitive sectors of the economy are slowing down. And so making a decision not to raise rates for the remainder of 2019 is a good thing. You guys saw that Linda McMahon, then we're going to jump to break, but, but Linda McMahon's out at SBA. Would you want to be SBA? Why no, is I everybody be, asking that? I, everyone, I, first of all, I would never be asked to be the SBA, but I want to be, I want to be married to <laughs> Mrs. Mack. That's a caveat. That's what I would, would like to do. He would never be asked. He has five kids. At. I mean, there's some, like, that's yeah. in and of itself is a small business. Small business, yeah. yeah. I, no one would ask me to do that, um, but the truth of the matter is I want to be married, and uh, I'm not running for politics, uh, but I think we all have a responsibility to be involved. And if you're a New York City taxpayer, uh, you are now a minority partner in your own life because you're, they're taking 53% of your money if you're at the high end. And if you think of all the user fees and the congestion taxes and the now the real estate tax, where New York State is effectively a real estate agent on big transactions, um, you better get involved with the hiring decisions. My majority partner is Bill de Blasio, Andrew Cuomo, and Donald J. Trump. And so you got to get involved in the hiring decisions. You have to have a voice at the, at the debating table. 
All right, coming up, much more on The Voice at the Debating Table with Mr. and Mrs. Scaramucci. Check out their new podcast. We're going to get into what exactly they're going to cover on that podcast coming up, plus much more on the 2020 Democratic fallout for Vice President Joe Biden. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Download the Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Terminal, or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also check us out on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and now Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. Happy Monday, unless you're a Duke fan, in which case, well, you're unhappy, but a lot of people are happy, myself included. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I'm in New York City. I love New York. And I'm joined by two very special guests here in studio. Just because he doesn't pay New York taxes, baby. <laughs> that was Anthony Scaramucci, everybody. The Anthony Scaramucci, Brutal. former White House communications director and founder of Skybridge Capital. Uh, also of Big Brother celebrity fame. <laughs> and, of course, Deidre Ball, uh, his wife, uh, uh, form, uh, an SVP at Skybridge. Anthony gets so hypersensitive when people call me ball no it's okay you can call you can call her anybody. look let, let me tell you though he's from well, the I, Biden will give days. Ke- I will give Kevin <laughs> great radio hosting skills that's my evaluation because Thank when you. we were talking about our almost divorce you were desperately trying to change the yeah, subject in the last else. segment you know I, I was go, very go very tabloids to terminals I do it, it all it was very yeah. Catholic of you okay thank but you I appreciate that just so you know if you've never been tabloided before oh, it's okay, so bad try to Not fun. try to avoid it right what, what is you it that, like baby? from your from your vantage point seriously oh what do you God, tell your kids like being in a ditch what do I tell I say don't google yourself don't google don't google dad <laughs> and no, honestly, it was one of the worst periods of our life. It's the, there's absolutely no privacy. There's no, there's no personal space, and it. I, I don't know how people live like that on a daily basis. But the flip side of it is, I've met a lot of interesting people, mm-hmm. and uh, people come over to me and say hello in the airport. But that's not due to the tabloids. No, I understand. But they come over and say hello. I mean, I couldn't be more flattered or more gracious. And so, to me, I think one of the things that I love about my wife is that she loves people, and so. So do I, and we put our pants on the well, same way everybody listen, else does. Listen, this is why so I love so our good. podcast, because people ha- have an inside look to our actual life and personalities, not what people chose to put in the newspaper or on TV, and they can get, you know, the real deal versus what some journalists decided to say or whatever picture they snapped at the time, so... But so many. Tr- I, I, I'm, I didn't I'm mean fatter no, than no, I look no, in the no. tabloids, though. Just so you know, I mean, some of the pictures. Were, <laughs> I'm a health I mean, and wellness. Yeah, like yeah. I've ran a half marathon with some of my colleagues. Thank okay, thanks for making us feel bad. See, I have to be modest. We just came humble. off a cruise, and we. But know wait, but but this is but no laughing matter. I mean, we were talking a little bit about this in the in the break, which is essentially so many political families, and I'll focus on Trump world for right now have been impacted by this. You yeah. look at the Cohens, for example, what they're mm-hmm. going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, do you, what do you make of, of Michael Cohen's situation? So I probably wouldn't mind me saying this. I had uh, uh, dinner with Michael's son in Miami last week. So I was down there for uh, an event, and uh, I called Michael, and I said, where's your son at the, at the University of Miami? Have him come over and have dinner with me. And so to me, you know, when kids get involved, they're very innocent, and obviously... Jared Kushner has experienced this, where his father went to jail for a few years uh, when he was a young, impressionable person. And now Michael's son, uh, Jake, is affected by this. And so, you know, I, my heart goes out to that family. And I would also say to both the Trumps and the Coens, uh, you were friends at one time. 
and you had a pretty good harmony in that relationship. And when things go this badly and you have friends that are in between the two of you, it's very, very rough. So, you know, and so to me, my heart goes out to Michael and his wife and, uh, you know, whatever happened, he's going to pay his obviously dues to the society. Do you think he should get pardoned? Um, do I think he should get, well, that has to be up to the president. But I mean, I think that the, what we've done now is that we have now criminalized the political process. You know, Benjamin Netanyahu had a great line about six, eight months ago. He said, hey, we build jail cells now. Uh, your country is a lot like my country. We build a jail cell for you, and then when you get into office, we do everything we can to put you in that jail cell. But do you, if, if, and so, you know, if the president pardoned Michael Cohen, it wouldn't shock me because it would hark back to their original relationship, and he would probably look at the family and the totality of the damage that's already happened to his family, and it would be an act of kindness, and it would be an act of, you know, Christianity, and to me, uh, I would want to see that happen. I don't see that happening, but I think it'd be very remote. But, uh, you know, listen, I mean, that's what the pardon power is there for. Um, Paul Manafort? To... Look, I, like, again, you know, people are upset with me because I like Paul Manafort, treated me well on the campaign. I can't speak to Paul like I can to Michael because I knew Michael personally. Right. But here's what I would say about Paul Manafort is that, uh, you know, uh, I think the president feels badly about it. I think he's been very clear about it. You know, you, he got involved with President Trump and got a target on his back. From your from your vantage point, Deirdre, in terms of how this has impacted families, I mean, and again, it really does cut really across political ideological lines. But from your vantage point, just being a business person, mm-hmm. being a mom of five children, how has this impacted your kids? Well, Anthony has three older kids, so it's impacted them more um, because they obviously know what's going on in the world. Our two younger ones are, you know, they're still innocent well, my and My son, oblivious. Anthony, gets lit up on Instagram like Because he has me, the same so name they, as like, Anthony. They so rail that's on him, and he's like, wait, what? What are you saying? <laughs> I don't even know who Donald Trump is. Why are you talking to me like that? You know, so, no, but yeah. it's just an interesting thing what's going on that the presidency has affected so many personal lives. It's just a phenomenon. What was the most fun in terms of all of this, in terms of being involved <laughs> in the politics? We talked uh, about all the bad stuff, that's but what's the fun? a good question. The day Anthony came home, that was the best part of it all. all right, well, um, that, no, that campaigning in the beginning was fun. You got to meet a lot of interesting people, smart people. Fun, debates we were fun. Debates. What was your best debate? Oh, I like the one in Las Vegas. Yeah, that was and, brutal. Yeah, yeah. and uh, where, yeah. Where, 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 what was well, the, the other Hillary one? The Hillary Clinton one was brutal, but the, the Republican Party one were... The president was bowling for dollars and just knocking pins off the uh, stage. That was pretty interesting and fun. I was yeah. in the wrong spot backstage at the one debate for blanking where it was, where the Clinton accusers were. Oh, and yes. I, I was yeah, literally was yeah. an AP reporter yeah. was standing 11th. there, and all of a sudden I see the Clinton accusers come, and I was like, I, I totally That's lost track of where genius. the press pool, whether for the yeah. other reporters. Well, That's the reason why he's president. Yeah. That's part of his genius. Does he, he get was, reelected? He was climbing out. Well, I, I think he does. Okay. I don't know if Deirdre does, but I think he does. No, and I, I think, think he does. I do. I think the economy's humming along. Uh, I think the Russian collusion case will be behind him. Um, I would like to see him be more in the state of mind that he was during the State of the Union. Um, you know, I thought that address was terrific. And so if he goes in that direction... I think he'll gather enough moderates and independents to win re-election. All right, this was fun. This was a different kind of show, but it was it was fun. Can I wish you something before we leave? Yes. May I wish you that you are not the next Supreme Court nominee? Because whoever that's going to be is going to be like uh, 
a slaughterhouse situation. Well, we le- we'll leave it there. I don't have a law degree, so I think I'm in the <laughs> clear. And I don't there. think I have those problems. Uh, okay, I don't. Good. Uh, appreciate good Mr. Catholic and Mrs. Scaramucci. Check Thank out you for having their, us. Uh, check out their podcast on every Apple Tuesday. iTunes and Radio.com yep. every Tuesday. That's it for me. Kevin Cirilli, Bloomberg, 991. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.